We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Levert. A step back three by Levert. And the Pacers lead by five. But spinning is Sabonis. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human. Okay. And I think that's terrific. All right, Fachi. So before we get into today's show, I want to play a little game with you called hey. He Almost Traded. Oh. Let's go, baby. You won't get more than one right. We're going to look at the latest Celtic that Danny Ainge almost acquired. Fachi, can you give us the names of the players that Danny Ainge almost acquired? Well, the list feels just about endless. I mean, we got Vucevic. We got Aaron Gordon. I wouldn't have been surprised if he tried for Kyle Lowry. And then also Andre Drummond, the latest guy to not be a Boston Celtic. They were almost, though. And what I found out watching and doing my research was Danny Ainge was unwilling to part with guard Peyton Pritchard to acquire any of these. That's why they went after Evan Fournier, because it wouldn't cost them Peyton Pritchard. Just two second-round picks. They could absorb him with that trade exception. So there are four guys that almost were acquired by Danny Ainge, but just didn't make the cut for the Boston Celtics. They were not good enough to give up any assets back. So anyway, uh, Fachi, let's talk things, all things Pacers now and get right into it. The Pacers got a big win against the Dallas Mavericks on Friday night. No Luka Doncic for the Mavericks, but the Pacers – Still had to take care of business, get a big win on the road, and they did that. They did get a big win. I mean, I, you look, yes, no Luka Doncic. I, got, I caught some heat on Twitter because I said, hey, I don't want to hear it. We've been without TJ Warren all year. People said, did you just compare TJ Warren to Luka? No, absolutely not, everybody. I'm just saying, we've been going without Warren all year. I don't want to hear that a player is resting for the night. A win is a win. The Pacers holding the Mavericks to just 94 points, even without Luka. And Alex, we tied a franchise record 20 made threes again. Again, I love to see it. And you know what's funny? I wasn't able to watch this game in uh, in its entirety. I get on Twitter, and all of, all of a sudden, I just see, oh, Sabonis is forcing shots. Sabonis looks really bad. Then I look at his stat line, and I'm like, Whoa, what was I looking at here? Because he had 22 points. 15 rebounds, five assists, just three turnovers, nine of 12 from the free throw line, and he only took 11 shots. He was six of 11 from the field. Um, can we just calm down a little bit with this bonus later? It's getting ridiculous. Forcing shots, and he, and he finished with 11 shots and 22 points uh, on those 11 shots. I mean, come on, guys. Look, a win's a win here. Uh, you know, since Levert has entered the lineup, Sabonis' shots have been down. And you know what? The Pacers are winning. So what do we what do we have to complain about? It's like we're searching. We're, we're looking down the list for stuff to complain about. Meanwhile, the boys have won four or five. I'm yeah. loving it. No, I'm, I am too. And look, Karis LeVert didn't have a good shooting night, 414. Miles Turner was 3 of 10 shooting-wise. It was really a combination of T.J. McConnell. Goga Batadze actually played pretty well. McDermott was 4 of 6, all from 3. And Edmund Sumner, once again, provided a huge spark plug. But we found the unfortunate news of – Doug McDermott getting a huge injury there in the fourth quarter. Fachi, can you tell us some more about yeah, that? Yeah, so McDermott left the game, did not return. Uh, it was an ankle injury. Uh, Scott Agnes reported that the ankle, uh, it, it's got, it had some color to it. So there's some swelling there for sure. McDermott moved around a bit in practice, but it was very light. 
I'm not expecting him to play against Washington. I feel like it's a game the Pacers can win without him. That you got a big game coming up against Miami later on Wednesday. So McDermott's probably going to need a bit of rest. And I hope this is just a, 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 you know, a minor injury. Yeah, no, McDermott's been way too uh, huge their success. I mean, you can say what you want about his defense, but offensively and the way he's been in this system, I think he's looked really good. And the Pacers need him. They just need guys that can score the basketball and that's someone they can rely on. Uh, Jeremy Lamb only played 14 minutes. His numbers continue to take a dip in the rotation. Uh, Karis Levert's numbers continue to increase. 35 minutes led all Indiana Pacers players in minutes played per game. Are you okay with that, with Karis playing that many minutes? I am, but I got a quick note for you, Alex. Breaking news, Mike Woodson has I already saw that, yeah. For IU, head coach. Yeah, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll have to save Story that conversation. Well, we can talk about it at the end of the pod for a few minutes. I mean, I don't have enough thoughts on it right now, even though I'm an IU guy. But, hey, uh, you know, former Indiana basketball players, that's exciting. But, yeah, uh, anyway, 35 yeah, so- minutes. Do you think that's too much for Levert? I, I don't. I think in a game like this, Lavert could have come out earlier because in the fourth quarter, I mean, it, it was all Pacers. I mean, they really stretched the lead far. In the beginning of the quarter, you know, it got down. The lead was down to about two or four. But the Pacers, you know, they walk away with uh, it was a 15-point win. So I think they could have eased up on some of the minutes towards the end. But it kind of feels like they want him to be able to get in the flow and be kind of what he was against Detroit when he went off for 28 points. So I'm fine with the minutes there for Lavert. I am. Yeah, so I, I thought Caitlin Cooper had an excellent uh, tweet talking about Malcolm Brogdon, and this is a guy that we've seen just pretty much on fire since returning from the All-Star oh, yes. break. She said Brogdon has shot 18 of 31 on catch-and-shoot three since Lavert's debut. In total, Lavert has only assisted on four of these shots, but having an extra ball handler has shifted how frequently Brogdon is spotting up. Pre-Lavert, 15% of his shots were catch-and-shoot threes. Now he's up to 29% of his shots are catch-and-shoot I'm telling you, Flashy, catch and shoot Malcolm is significantly better than off the dribble Malcolm. Oh, absolutely. And, and I, I have some numbers here myself on that because the Levert effect, I feel like it, it's been a real thing. And look, it's not just about, you know, Karis Levert, uh, what he's doing on the court. It's just by having an extra ball handler. We've allowed Malcolm to play off the ball a bit. And when you're talking about the catch and shoot, it's been just far more effective for Brogdon. And just in general, uh, Brogdon's numbers, I mean, I have them, uh, I got them right here. So he's improved his play despite the four of 17 game against Miami the other week. He's shooting 52% from the field in the seven games with Lavert in the lineup. You know, you obviously mentioned the stat that Caitlin threw out unbelievable overall. He's shooting 50% from three in the seven games with Karis Lavert. <laughs> Karis Lavert, like it's not even just him. I, I think it's exactly. just having that extra ball handler makes 100%. such a huge difference for the Pacers. Uh, she goes on to say, meanwhile, Sabonis is 13 of 17 on shots inside the arc when receiving a pass from Levert with a herky-jerky playmaker converting 41% of his total number of, of assists thus far at the rim. So Sabonis is is definitely benefiting from that as well. So I absolutely love to see just the impact that Karis Levert is having on this team. Whether or not he's putting up the numbers that back that up, his on-floor uh, impact has been huge for this team. And I can't wait to see how much better this team gets going forward. Absolutely cannot wait. I mean, we're talking about five and three since he's returned to the lineup. Just digging in with some of the other players on this team. Uh, Doug McDermott, since moving back to the bench with Levert in the starting lineup, Mm. he's averaging 14.2 points per game, shooting 58% overall. And that includes he had the early exit with the ankle injury. So the points per game would have been even higher. Uh, Then also in regards to Sabonis. Uh, his shot attempts are a bit down. Therefore, his scoring is a bit down. It's down to 17.2 points per game, but he's still shooting 53%. And look, Alex, if it translates to winning, that's what matters. We all know that you don't want to have Sabonis shooting you know, roughly 20 times a game or even 18 times per game. Uh, he, his attempts are more closer to 12.8 attempts in that span. And that's even with an uptick because there was no Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon against Milwaukee, a game that he had 17 shots in. And yeah. lastly, Miles Turner. Miles Turner from three lady. Look, and it's not this, like we said before, it's not all to give credit to Levert, but in that span with Levert in the lineup, the seven games they've played together, Miles Turner's shooting 44.4% from three. Wow. You gotta love that. And just to give Miles his flowers against Dallas, he was relentless with seven blocks. 
seven boards. He was all over the place. And I feel like, you know, people were saying, uh, you know, he shouldn't have to proclaim himself defensive player of the year. That's a bit selfish. Well, I think that's absolutely ridiculous because Miles has been the one that has sacrificed some shots. Uh, I mean, even on his birthday, you know, he goes scoreless. Karis LeVert personally says that Miles Turner might be one of the most selfless players that he's played with. So I, I love what I'm seeing. We're seeing real team basketball lately. Yeah, Miles Turner has been ridiculous on the defensive side of things this year. And and to say that he shouldn't be in the conversation for defensive player of the year is just a, is just a complete joke. Um, I look at Miles Turner and I saw those comments and I saw people saying things like, oh, he's rubbing me the wrong way. That's why I never liked this guy. He's always talking about himself. Look, a couple things here. Number one, I've tweeted this out yesterday. Miles Turner has a $1 million bonus for making all defensive teams. So, he really needs to make that because he wants that bonus. Not saying that's the only reason, but that that's big. That's a big part of it. Number two, the guys that vote, they constantly overlook the type of player that he is. And he has to campaign for himself because nobody else will do it. I mean, it, it was awesome to see the Pacers on their Twitter account pushing for him to get an all-star bid. And then I know that kind of slowly faded a little bit, but I mean, for there for a while, it was really heavy on Miles for all-star, Malcolm for all-star, and Domas for all-star. You know, we knew that all three weren't going to get in, and it was, you know, just by the skin of his teeth that Sabonis got in. So I just I just look at a guy like Turner who does not get the respect that he deserves day in and day out. A terrific team player, loves to be in Indiana. You know, he's got a great family, had a really awesome game, even though, like, the numbers weren't, like, through the roof. I think he had, like, nine total points on, on Friday night. So, but the seven blocks, just the impact that he has on defense, he's a special player. He is the backbone, in my opinion, so far of this Pacers team this season. And, and I really believe that he deserves to be in that conversation. Not saying he's going to win it, but I think that he should be in that conversation for the top two, top three for defense player of the year. Absolutely. And and I know on those seven blocks, I don't want to, I don't want to jip him for credit, but at least five of them led to Pacer points on the other side. So, I mean, his impact was huge. You were getting a block and you were getting a three right after that. And it, and it was, it was massive because in the game when the Pacers make, you know, 23s, they had a lot of great transition points last game. I thought Miles contributed that. That's the type of stuff that's not going to show up on the box score. But he was extremely vital uh, in that win over Dallas. Yeah, and seeing the way Dallas played, like I know Porzingis had 31 points, but it took him 28 shots to get exactly. there. I, I am really happy that uh, the Pacers organization is much smarter than some of these Dallas people that think that uh, we would trade Brogdon and Sabonis for Porzingis and Brunson. I, I still can't believe that that was an actual trade idea in that no. somebody thought the Pacers would actually do that. Like, no no offense to them, but it's like, come on. Like, that does not help this team get any better. It, it actually sets them back, in my opinion. It's more of a lateral move than it is an improving mood uh, move. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I was laughing watching that game, but I will tell you this. Um, you know, Brunson played pretty well. Tim Hardaway Jr., a guy that I've always been a big fan of. Was really good off the bench as well. Mm -hmm. So um, just just a great game. But I'm telling you what, man, the impact of TJ McConnell on this team. It, oh, my God. It, plus 25, Fachi. Plus 25 with him in the game. The highest plus minus. I mean, that guy has been probably leading plus minus the last couple of games when I've looked. He is just a difference maker. And, and he doesn't even have to put up the massive numbers. Nah. I mean, he got five personal fouls, but he had three steals in this game. Yep. He's just, he continues to be the biggest theft in the entire NBA. And uh, I don't think people are ready for it. They're not. Sometimes I have to go into my own room and just, just to see if Babe's there and make sure she hasn't been stolen yet by my <laughs> TJ McConnell. I mean, I'm looking over my shoulder here, Alex. TJ McConnell, this is a guy that would make every single team in the NBA better. And I'm, I'm happy that we have him on our side because – it's just night in, night out. He brings just all the intangibles, the energy, the hustle, and the, you know, obviously the, the theft, the steals. He, he's a true robber, and I'm glad that he's on our side. And I know we touched on Goga before, but Goga has not been playing a, a high amount of minutes, but you would have to be blind to not see the improvement. Six points, six boards, three blocks. He's just been active. I still feel like he, because he's young enough, he'll get called for a foul that you're like, nah, I thought that was kind of clean. Like he, he he's contesting shots that he's not always getting the benefit of the doubt for, but I'm seeing enough, you know, positive that out of the you know 11 minutes that he's playing here and there, I'm like, this, this guy's making use of those minutes. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think he's been super impactful on the glass in that short amount of time when he's getting a lot of rebounds. He's fighting for rebounds. I think there's been a couple games that I've seen where opposing players get called for fouls, fighting for rebounds because he gets good position on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is something that Pacer fans should really take a look at because if you watch him, just the, his ability to get into position and try to fight for fight on the glass it, it is huge for this team. And another thing, his rim protection. Um, it, it's the second best on the team right behind Miles. He, he's gotten some good blocks. He's gotten dunked on a few times. There's no doubt about it. But I will say this. I appreciate Goga's willingness to be dunked on. He doesn't care. Yeah. He, yeah. he goes at the person attacking the rim like a true shot blocker. And for better or for worse, he's going up for it. So I truly respect that because I just think that as a young player, he's trying to prove that he belongs in the NBA. I think he's making a great case that he does. He probably deserves a, a regular rotation spot next year or maybe the year after that. But he's, he's putting in the work. I'm glad he's getting the opportunity. And um, it, it's great to see a young player like that starting to develop along with Edmund Sumner. No, I know. It was great to see Sumner. You know, he got off to kind of a hot start in there. I know he finished with, I think, 10 points. But he added those 10 points in his first, you know, 10 minutes that he played. And it just feels like he's been building on, you know, being more consistent uh, over the past you know month or two. And I really like what I've seen there. The bench unit, I thought, played really well. Got to see all the young guys come in for the final two minutes where the Pacers had an opportunity to, you know, break the franchise record, get to 21 three-pointers. Unfortunately, they just – it didn't happen. Um, selfishly, I wish that O'Shea Brissett was signed by then because I thought he was going to make his Pacer debut. But uh, he had a quarantine first. Uh, I believe that he'll be, he'll be finally signing that deal either today or tomorrow. So – uh, we can hopefully see him soon. But, you know, my first initial reaction was, what's the point of signing a 10-day contract if, you know, e- you're not even going to get him in there? Because I saw Brian Bowen and a few others get in there. But luckily, I realized he had not signed yet. So I was like, whew, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he wasn't able to play. I, I saw that mm-hmm. as well. And I uh, was thinking, man, this would be a good opportunity for yep. him. And uh, how do you feel about 10-day contracts? Because to me, I like them, but at the same time, if you're not going to give a guy a chance to play in the regular rotation during that 10-day stint, what's the point of going out there and bringing them in just just to have them come in and see how they work in practice? Like, no, I want to see them on the court and see what they can do. I completely agree because I remember a story that sticks out a couple years ago. Jimmer Fredette signed a 10-day contract, and he got in with like a minute to go in the game, jacked up a very late three, and caught a bunch of heat from it. From I can't remember the opposing team, but he is when he's with the Suns, caught a lot of heat from it. And he said, Hey, I'm trying to show them something. Like I'm on a 10 day contract, you know, all in all, he might have only been able to play a couple of minutes over a 10 day span. So it, it's, it's tough. I mean, are you really going to be judged if you go 0 for 1? Is it going to be like, uh, you know, he didn't show enough? It's, it's hard to really show. I don't know what he's going to be able to show on a 10 day contract when Bjork can run such a limited rotation that it's not like he's just going to play 20 minutes. It would be cool if he did, but, I mean, the odds are definitely stacked against him to the point where I hope this is not just rewarding someone that played very well for the Mad Ants, you know, when an open roster spot happened. And we've seen that happen in the past with with guys that have gotten promoted from the G League, and they've never really made an impact on the Pacers. You know, your Trey McKinney-Jones, your Ben Moores, your a few other guys. Alex Poitras played yeah. a bit more than those guys, but but still, not much overall. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And it's just like, I mean, I'm, I'm all for rewarding those guys and giving them some extra cash and and doing the right thing by, you know, being a good franchise and getting wanting to get guys to come play for your G League team. But at the same time, he was with the Raptors 905 last year. So yep. uh, I just feel like Bjorken clearly has interest in him. And I think that he fits the type of player that this team lacks. Uh, look at a guy like Alizé Johnson who was on a two-way contract. Oh, that hurts. I mean, he's he's he was great in the G League. Then he goes to the Nets and drops 16 and 15 in his debut. So that's that's the kind of thing the Pacers have to really look at. But, Bocci, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will discuss this upcoming week. Look at that and uh, get ourselves a little preview for these uh, upcoming games. All right, everybody, we are back, and we are going to look at this week ahead of us, Fachi. We've got your Washington Wizards on Monday. Yes, Monday at uh, 7 o'clock. Then we got Victor Oladipo and the Miami Heat in Bankers Live Fieldhouse Wednesday to close out the month of March. And then to end our week, we've got the Hornets at Bankers Live Fieldhouse, and the Pacers are back on the road to face the really, you know, young and uh, improved San Antonio Spurs. So, Fachi, let's start off with your Wizards possibility no Bradley Beal tomorrow 
uh, I think this is a, a big opportunity for the Pacers to get a nice win here. Quick note, it disgusted me when you said Victor Oladipo's Miami Heat. But uh, back to the Washington Wizards. Uh, no, Bradley Beal's status still up in the air. Exited uh, Saturday's game against Detroit with a, a right hip injury. Don't know what they're going to do there. If Beal doesn't play, that it is massive for the Pacers that are finally, like I met, I tweeted out a while ago, it feels like we're starting to have paid off that debt to the basketball gods where there was, you know, no Luca. we got to win. You know, maybe there's no Beal here. We're starting to string together some wins. Uh, Davis Bertans is also out uh, in the Ooh. game there. The Latvian Laser, who is not having a good year and is paid now. But uh, thank God the Pacers dodged both there. But anyway, um, no Bertans, maybe no Bradley Beal. This is a Wizards team that is trying to hold on for dear life Two and eight in their last 10, giving up roughly 120 points per game there uh, over that span. Alex, this is a team. The Wizards, when they are out-rebounded, it is absolutely pathetic. They are four and 19 on the season when they are out-rebounded. What is their where are they where do they rank rebounding-wise in the league? Are they dead last? It, it, I believe they're very much towards the bottom of the league. Because I was just gonna say, I know we're not a good rebounding team, right? So um, we're I, not, but I, I know we're better than, better than Washington. I believe so. If I, the last time I checked, but I'm just saying, you know, we're not a good rebounding uh, team. And if they're a bad rebounding team, like this is a good opportunity for us to hit the glass yeah, hard. Yeah. Here's the thing, Alex. I just looked it up. The Pacers are 29th in the NBA in rebounding mm. 41.8. We actually regressed from last year. So, uh, while, uh <laughs> that status key. We might not be the team to out-rebound the Wizards, so that could be unfortunate. Yeah, no, okay, so I didn't realize how bad we were at rebounding. I mean, I knew yeah. we were I knew we were constantly at rebounding. I didn't realize that we were 29th. That is pretty bad, so I'm going to redact what I just said pretty there. Nice. But still, um, it, it depends on what kind of rebounds we're getting here from the Washington Wizards because we know a guy like Russell Westbrook is very active on the glass. Um, Russell Westbrook also is second and assists in the league and Bradley Beal actually leads the NBA in points per game. Mm-hmm. So not having Brad Beal is going to be a huge break for the Pacers. And then adding Davis Bertans on that. I mean, this is just a team. The Wizards are kind of a team that they're hard to figure out, to be honest with you. So, oh, yeah. I mean, Russell Westbrook show, I, I, I feel pretty confident the Pacers can handle that. If it's just Westbrook kind of going off and you get some other sprinkled guys in there doing some different things, I mean, whatever, but you know, I, I, I like this Pacers team getting a W here. I think they've played pretty well on the road. And, um, you know, with that big game Wednesday, I just hope that they're focused on this game. Don't look ahead to it because I know those guys are probably chomping at the bit to play against Victor and Miami once again. Like, we saw how chippy those two Miami games were. Oh, yeah. Um, even though I'm, I'm so glad Kelly Olenek out of that series, by the way. Yes. But I, all I will say is, like, this is going to be a big game. So I'm not even too focused on the Wizards game. I think we're going to win that game. It might be a little bit closer than we want, but I, but I still think the Pacers take care of business here. But I am so looking forward to that Heat-Pacers game. And I actually put out on Twitter, I need a Pacers-Heat rematch in the playoffs after oh, yeah. they picked up Oladipo and somebody said, why, so we can get swept again? I said, stop. We already beat them twice. The Heat have lost six in a row. As of right now, they could play on Monday and win again, uh, win against whoever they're playing on Monday. I know they have a game Monday, but I think this is a great opportunity for the Pacers to get on a nice little winning streak and close out the month of March with a 500 record. Oh, that would be great. And look, I have not been this excited to be 500 in quite some time. I mean, I can't remember how late in the season, you know, we've been hoping to be 500. The Pacers have been blessed to be above 500 for quite some time. But I just feel like at this point, it feels different. It feels like, you know, there is, there's two totally different tiers in the Eastern Conference. And if you could be 500 right now, you're right in the running for home court. So a team like Miami right now, they're struggling. And they are amongst the like the, the lowest in the league in points per game. I feel like right now with the Pacers, the way they're playing ball, I mean, I'm, I'm not – I'm not really nervous about this game at all. I think that it's not going to be a, a, like a guaranteed win by any means, but we played Miami real good in both those games. I mean, think about it. In those two games, the Pacers shot 43% from three. Uh, both of those games, the Pacers had seven players score in double figures. The ball movement was fantastic. 38 assists in one of those games against Miami. So this is, this is a, a team that we saw recently, and I think that we're playing better basketball since – why not keep it going? I hope that their confidence level is at an all-time high against this Heat team because I think 
confidence confidence is a great way to win games mm-hmm. let me ask you this do you think Victor Oladipo plays in this game he's got to play in that game he could there's no way he could chicken out of this I mean they got the Warriors on uh April 1st the next game we've known Victor we know Victor has set out on back-to-backs mm-hmm. do you think there's a chance that he sits out this game because he doesn't want to handle the pressure ah uh, that would be a bad look I think Pacer Nation would be not we'd be like some bloodthirsty hounds just coming for him on Twitter if he sat out this game because it's like we want this game and I think that he would want to maybe you know at least try and you know take us on and be like all right well let's let's see you know stick it to the team that traded him even though we're like at this point like the fourth team that's traded him you know it's everyone's traded him at this point this team in eight years Fox. yeah i mean it's a lot that's a lot i don't want to hear the next speech of saying everybody continues to give up on me when you don't commit to anybody so yeah. I, I think at this point vic rest against the warriors who cares about that game this is the game that we want and i think you want this game too yeah i think there's some pacer players that would love to get their oh, hands yeah. on a not their hands, but they get a chance to beat Oladipo and kind of yeah. put him back and knock him down a couple notches because ultimately at the end of the day, like he got what he wanted. And I, and I was laughing because I saw a tweet. I forget who put it out there. I think it was a guy from Indy Star basically saying like the Pacers ended up trading Paul George and Victor Oladipo, two guys that didn't want to be here. And then those teams traded them. I think it shows more about their team than the Pacers. And I kind of laughed because ultimately the teams they traded them to traded them to the destination they wanted to be. So um, I don't think it was necessarily that the teams wanted to trade them. I just think the teams thought, hey, we can trade these guys to their destination and get something for it. Like Miami and Houston, that whole situation. Like Houston, to me, is just idiotic for, for not wanting Levert and Jared Allen, plus all those oh picks. They and they probably could have had Spencer Dinwiddie in mm-hmm. that as well. But instead, they decided Victor Oladipo in that package of trades uh, or picks, excuse me, um, you know, and then they had their hands tied behind their back because Oladipo was not going to resign there no. and nobody else was going to make a trade for him. Like literally I heard that teams were, that the, the Rockets were calling teams, asking them what they would want for Victor because they couldn't get any value out of him. So thank God the police avoided that situation because Kevin Pritchard, you know, struck while the iron was hot. And if we got, if we would have got a package of Olenek and Avery Bradley plus a pick swap, I would have been uh, in an uproar as a Pacer fan, just all about, how, would have been. about how putrid that that uh, swap would have been. But anyway, this is a huge game. It's, there's a rivalry here, whether we've been able to beat, not been able to beat the Heat or not in the playoffs. I think this is still a rivalry to me, probably one of the better rivalries in the... To, to all of us. Yeah, I think it's just a good rivalry in the Eastern Conference. Like the two teams don't like each other uh, and they both play tough-nosed basketball. So I'll be excited to see that. But we got to move on, Fachi, here. Two games in April. We play Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. We play home against the Hornets. Then we travel to San Antonio and play the Spurs. It's a late game, 9 o'clock on Saturday. So uh, Friday at 8 o'clock, Saturday at 9 o'clock. What are your thoughts on these two games? So the Hornets, a team that, you know, sitting in the fourth seed, they actually just lost moments ago while recording this to the Phoenix Suns. Um, A team that we're kind of all waiting to see them slip out now that LaMelo Ball is out. What kind of, what I I tweeted out a couple days ago was the Hornets were sitting in the fourth seed with, a minus point differential that that for me does not seem sustainable that they're going to be able to remain in the fourth seed. So I think this is a team that has kind of played way better than anybody even thought that they were capable of. I do think that they'll slip a bit. And I think this is a game that the Pacers could win. I mean, why can't they beat, you know, the Charlotte Hornets? Sure. They had been playing better lately. They were just on a three game winning streak, but that's coming off of being on a three game losing streak. So they're kind of a very inconsistent team that is hovering around 500 that by the time we beat them, Alex, who even knows where they're going to be in the playoff standings. They could be going from fourth to ninth real quick. Yeah. So I'm just looking at the Hornets schedule real quick here while we're talking and they start a six game road trip. And when they pay, when they play the Pacers on Friday night at eight o'clock, that's going to be their third game in four nights. They've got the wizards on Tuesday, the nets on Thursday and us on Friday. So you know, fatigue could play a factor there in this game as well. I think the Hornets are a good basketball team. Um, they're still doing pretty well, even though they have no uh, LaMelo Ball. He's out for the year. Terry Rozier has been pretty good for him. Of course, Gordon Hayward has been pretty solid for him. Uh, they didn't make any major moves either. So I, I think that they're a team that, you know, had they had LaMelo Ball, maybe they were a little bit more aggressive come playoff time or come trade deadline. But 
Um, I think this is a good game for the Pacers to win as well. I think the tougher game is going to be against the Spurs because yeah. the Spurs are just a team that has been playing pretty well of late. DeMar DeRozan having a nice year. Jakob Pertl's doing a pretty good job. He's gotten that starting position. So just just a collective group of guys that have uh, have been playing well for him. So uh, what are your thoughts on the Spurs? I mean, hey, you're, they're a very well-coached team. I mean, they the fewest turnovers in the league, number one assist to turnover ratio in the league. This is a team that does a lot of things pretty well. Uh, I think that the one thing is they're a really bad three-point shooting team. At 28th in the league in three-point shots made, I think that that's something that was, is obviously going to benefit the Pacers. So from that, I mean, you're talking about a team that just lost LaMarcus Aldridge and, you know, didn't get anyone to replace him. So I think the Pacers right there, you know, that's uh, that's something that should help us because uh, obviously, you know, we, we're not a good rebounding team. And sure, LaMarcus Aldridge at this point, he's older, but hey, he's one body down for them. So it, that's another game. It's not a gimme by any means, but the Pacers can beat the Spurs. The Spurs, good team, not a great team. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Indiana can win all four of these games this week, but I don't want to go and be that greedy. I think yeah. the Pacers finish this week three and one, Foch. Um, I think they're going to win three in a row, then lose to San Antonio on Saturday. That's my guess. What are your thoughts on this upcoming week? I think we beat the Wizards. I think we lose to Miami just because we did just beat them two times. I mean, if you're going to go three and zero against Miami, I mean, whoa, whoa. I'm, I, I'm I, calling it. They're going to win at home, Foch. They're going to beat them. Okay. I mean, the they're going to spoil had- Oladipo. I mean, hey, uh, that that's the one game out of the four <laughs> that I want. Hey, d- don't get me wrong. Then I'll go a, for it. Call it. I'm not going to call it because uh, I, I don't I don't on. think it's going to happen. I don't. Where's the, the, where's the feisty Fachi that I know? Uh, hey. I'm the not, Homer Fachi. Come no, on. No, no. We're beating the Wizards. Oh, Wizards come on. And we're beating uh, Charlotte. The game against the Spurs, 50-50. Uh, I'll, I'll lean Pacers. 3-1 also. Okay, so they're going to beat the Spurs, the Hornets. And the uh, and the Wizards. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, Fachi, I'm a little disappointed in you not going with the win against the Heat, man. I thought you were a true uh, – I thought you were a prime example of the Iliad written by the Homer, you know. So No, no, no. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I would – if we had gone one and one against the Heat, I'd be like, all right, all right, you know, we, we'll win this game. But, hey, I don't know, man. They, they just added Vic. You're, you're not losing that much and, you know. Kelly Olynyk, good player, but uh, whatever. I, I think at this point, if the Pacers can go 3-0 and against Miami, then we have every right to get a bit carried away. Yeah, well, we got to hope that Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero shoot poorly once again. They've lost six in a row. They're struggling, though. That's why oh, yeah. I'm not, like, super concerned about it. I think they play the Knicks on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. I looked at their schedule earlier this week just because I was curious. But, yeah, do they have an answer for TJ McConnell? Well, that's the question because TJ McConnell was absolutely the Ooh. difference maker in that game and that little mini series as well. Because they, I mean, McConnell had 16 and 15 off the bench. He was just unbelievable. They closed the game with him. That's when we had the whole controversy of who should be closing games. And, you know, it, it is what it is at this point. But I'm excited to see how this Miami Heat team kind of goes up against us because without Olenek, there's a good possibility they play small with Trevor Ariza. So we could be seeing a lot of solo center minutes and see how that works out for the Pacers. Hey, yeah, no, I mean, it worked out pretty good uh, against uh, Miami in the overtime game, you know, whether it was Miles cleaning things up defensively or Sabonis, you know, doing it towards the end of the third quarter. Uh, I mean, hey, if, if you got to do what you got to do in order to get the win, you got to be able to adjust. And the team that can adjust the most typically is going to be the team that comes out on top. Yeah, so it looks like they're going to – it looks like Trevor Ariza has been starting. He averaged 31 minutes against the Hornets in a game they lost recently. So it was Ariza, Butler, Adebayo, Kendrick Nunn, and Duncan Robinson. Hero came off the bench and had 33 minutes. Um, Andre Iguodala had 20 off the bench and then some other guys in there. But Bielitsa, Dragic, and Oladipo did not play. Obviously, Oladipo and uh, Bielitsa had just gotten traded for. And then Dragic has a lower back injury. So – you know, I think that if you add Bielitsa and Oladipo into that mix, you know, your your rotations are going to be a little bit tighter with Miami. They're not going to be playing 10 guys, probably uh, 10 guys deep or playing, you know, some of the guys that are playing on that rotation, some guys are going to have to be taken out. So uh, I, I anticipate Oladipo starting. I anticipate Kendrick Nunn going to the bench, maybe Duncan Robinson going to the bench. But I just, I just think that Oladipo might press a little bit too much in this game, trying to prove like, hey, you shouldn't have traded me. You should have invested in me. You should have paid me all this money, blah, 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 blah. But um, uh, I think that that could benefit the Pacers if he does kind of uh, get a little bit too uh, 
uh, what is the right word here? Trigger Get, happy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Trigger happy, just a little bit too full of himself. Uh, very possible. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I mean, this would be great. It would be awesome if the Pacers can really just kind of smother Oladipo and really kind of be like, yeah. So, uh, well, they need to win this happy. game because of seating reasons, in my opinion. Oh, of course. This of course and the Hornets games are the biggest games of the week. Without a doubt, the Pacers right now are tied with the Heat for the eighth seed. So, uh, I mean, it's a huge game. You know, in the end, I mean, who knows if this is A, for who's going to get home court in the play-in game, or maybe this could be the difference of who makes the playoffs or not. The East is that tight where I would like to think, look, Miami, they should be safe. The Pacers, they're still, you know, fighting for a playoff spot. I think in the end, we'll make the playoffs, but nobody wants to be the the seventh or eighth seed. No one. Yeah, so I I think that this is a great – opportunity for us to segue into our next segment but i want to take a quick break so you talked about it the playoffs let's take a quick break we know the pacers are gonna make the playoffs more than likely but can they win a first round series we'll come back and talk we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. About that right after this. All right, Fachi, the million-dollar question is, can the Indiana Pacers win a first-round playoff series? Fachi, what are your thoughts? If they're playing like, like they've been playing lately, then they're definitely going to stand a chance. But the Pacers are going to have to move up the rankings because if you're in a seventh, eighth spot, it's not happening. Sixth seed, I don't even feel great about that. They have to be in the four or five spot. Otherwise, unfortunately, my answer is going to have to be no. So you don't think they can win a playoff series? It, they, if they're not in a four or five seed, I don't. Yeah, so I think they have to be a four or five seed to win a playoff series because there is no way they're beating Milwaukee, Brooklyn, no. or Philadelphia in a first-round playoff series. But I think that any team that they face in that four or five matchup, Boston, Miami, Toronto, Chicago, um, Charlotte, I think any of those teams, Atlanta even, I think any of those teams that might be able to play us in that four or five matchup, I think we have a puncher's chance of beating them. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we probably stand a chance against Boston uh, pretty well. I think that Miami, to me, is still a team that I just get nervous playing in the playoffs, even though I would love it for the rivalry reasons. And I would love to see just a full-on seven-game series between those guys. And with Sabonis, now with Levert, I mean, obviously we're going to miss TJ Warren. But I just think, like, it would be fun to watch. And I know by that point they could really have some developed chemistry there with Miami, so it would be tougher. But, yeah, I just – I really like the way this team is playing. And I really think that with Bjorken as head coach, um, we're going to see different things change throughout a series. And I think that those kind of adjustments could help this team pull out a series win or at least make it go six to seven games. Yes, I definitely expect this Pacers team to be more competitive in the playoffs than years past. But, you know, if we can somehow if, – if the stars align and play the Knicks, the Hornets, or the Hawks – and that 4-5 matchup, oh, my God, I would be beyond. I'd be ready to run through a wall. Pacer Mania would be running wild. Yeah. Uh, but at, at, it's going to be tough. I mean, we got to see how things shake out. Uh, coming in, when we first started this episode, the Pacers were two games back of Charlotte. Well, due to Charlotte's loss, it's down to one and a half games, and that's for the fourth seed. Yeah. So anyone who's thinking, look, we're not going to make the fourth seed. We're in the ninth seed. Guys, we're a game and a half back. It's actually very possible right now. So right now we're also two games up on Chicago for that playing game. So, you know, it's crazy to even have visions of a four seed, but know that you're still looking at the play-in game right now. That's how tight the Eastern Conference is. 
Yeah. So let me ask you this. We said we don't want to play any of the top three teams, much, right? Yeah. So it would just not probably bode well for the Pacers. But if they had to face one of those top three teams in the Eastern Conference, who is the team that you would most likely like to play? Oh, my God. I, I guess I would have to probably lean Philly, I guess. Yep, I, I agree. I know. But here's the thing. Let's go through this. Philly beat us without Embiid. And then when Embiid plays, he kills us. Uh, Brooklyn beat us without Kevin Durant. Um, and See, Kyrie we should have beat, we should have beat Philly that game. That's when we give up like a 20 point lead in the fourth quarter. Oh, uh, that's the game was, we should have won. Such a meltdown. It, 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 honestly, I think that game took the Pacers a while to recover from because that was a really bad meltdown. Yep. But then we also lost to the Nets without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the last game. Uh, and then also we lost to we we got we got beaten down by Milwaukee without Giannis. Yes, I know there was no Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, but still, if those three teams each beat us without arguably their their best player, uh, yeah, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. No, I don't want to see them, but I, I will I will go out on a limb and say that I would rather play Philadelphia. Milwaukee, we just cannot. We no. cannot figure them out. At they're all. just they're just built too tough for us. I I don't think we have a good matchup with them, especially running two bigs and, and and our wing defenders have just been terrible against them. I mean, Milwaukee's probably shooting like eighty five percent from three when they play us, so like it's like they don't yeah. miss for some reason. I mean, Pat Connaughton could have taken one foot inside the. Said the half court line and drilled a three. I mean, it just it just felt like one of those kind of games when we played them last week. But then Brooklyn, I mean, obviously they get Lamarcus Aldridge, they get Blake Griffin, they still have a roster spot. You know, they traded away some stuff, but they got James Harden, um, obviously Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I mean, this is a loaded team. Uh, Nick Claxton's been playing really well. They got DeAndre Jordan. I mean, just going through the list of guys, and if Spencer Dinwiddie can come back for the playoffs, oh my goodness. The Nets team has got to be destined to win the NBA Finals. I think it'd be a complete failure if they don't because of all the money that they've invested and the players have got. So, Fachi, um, I think that we can win a playoff series. Do I think we will? I think the probability would say, for me, like 35 to 65. Yeah, and that probably seems a bit accurate. But, Alex, I was also digging up some stats recently. Dig them up, brother. Oh, I got my shovel. I got a large hole right in front of me, and, and here's where we're at. So, mm. Despite the injuries that the Pacers have had, uh, when people want to know how they improve, the Pacers this year, they're 12th in scoring, 113 points per game. Uh, this year, last year, they were 23rd. And this is, you're talking about no TJ Warren. You're talking about the Pacers dealt Oladipo and then had to wait, you know, 50 days for Levert to return. So uh, that's a solid jump in points. Three-point attempts. Last year, they were 28th in attempts per game. Uh, this year, they're 16th in three-point attempts. So they're taking more. Uh, I like what I'm seeing there. You're even making slightly more. The Pacers are hitting on 36.4% of their threes, while also that equates to 2.4 more threes made per game. So the Pacers are taking more threes, shooting a little bit better, and they're also scoring more than last year. Free throw attempts uh, per game, something that I've been you know just hammering in is the Pacers do not get to the line enough. Last year, 19.1 attempts. They were making 15 of them. This year, uh, the Pacers are going to the line 20.4 times, uh, and they're, um, that equates to 16 makes per game. So they're up a little bit over there, nothing much. I know when it's just one more free throw attempt, one more make, it's still a little bit of an improvement. Rebounding, that's where we're in the gutter. Absolute trash. <laughs> but yeah. assists per game, the Pacers, they're fifth in the league. Assists per game, 26.8. Last year, they were seventh. So the problem over here, which can sum it all up, is they're letting up way too many points per game. Last year, third in the NBA, 107.5 points per game. This year, they rank 20th at 112.7 let up. Wow. Yeah, they're definitely sacrificing on defense playing the new scheme they're playing. I think that Dan Burke and uh, company had a different philosophy in place that was a little bit more defensive-minded and a little bit more defensive sound, I think, with our system now with Buerkren. It is um, it is a much more modern style of defense, pressuring a lot of stuff, trying to create traps, trying to create steals, but at the same time, by doing all that stuff without the right personnel, you're giving up a lot of good looks, and uh, you gotta you gotta meet somewhere in the middle. Flash, I just you know I'm not expecting them to play the exact same way, but I'm also wishing that they would maybe change some things up and kind of figure out a way. I think they've had some good defensive games. So I mean, 
over the last couple of games. I mean, obviously the game against Milwaukee was putrid, but that was without two of your better defenders. You look at the last game they played against Miami, that was pretty low scoring. You look at the game against Dallas, another low scoring game. So maybe they're starting to get back to those defensive uh, fundamentals that they once established last year. It's very possible. I think at the beginning of the year, the Pacers were letting up their three point defense was so bad, so bad Uh, against Dallas. You only let up eight threes uh, against the Pistons, just 11. I feel like that's something where, I mean, we, we know the Miami, I mean, the, the Milwaukee game, it gets tossed out the window. It was so bad. But against Miami, they only made nine threes in that second game. So it just feels like they've tightened up uh, on perimeter defense over there. The, the other game against Miami, only nine made threes. So you're talking about, you know, teams aren't even really making double-digit threes in the last, you know, few games outside of that Milwaukee game, of course. They made everything. But it, there's been little improvements here and there. And for that, that's all you can really ask for because you don't just fix a team overnight. But slowly, we're starting to see this team play better. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with putting Edmund Sumner into the rotation as well as getting Lavert back. You're getting guys that are better defenders out there on the court. And like, while well, I'm not saying Lavert is like a defensive gym or anything yeah. like that, just a guy that's a lot better at defense than McDermott and Jeremy Liam. So, Fachi, real quick to end the show. I put a tweet out today saying, how are we feeling about the Pacers after winning four of their last five games? I want to get a pulse from the fan base on Twitter. Just going to run through some of these tweets. Uh, This is young Simba at the 2K Messiah. It definitely feels good, but not as good as when we thought Warren was coming back. We are still destined for a first-round sweep, LOL. This is from our friend HOU Pacers. It's Aaron from Houston. A good step to getting back to where they started the season at. Lavert is a big addition, and we knew it was going to – to take at least a few games for him to really get back into the swing of things. Then our then our man Sharon Elliott, I know we love him. He has a he has a gif of uh, uh, Steve Carell, and it says it just feels great. <laughs> he says, "Don't see why anyone would feel different." Our our guy Gavin said, "Greetings from the top of the world," with a gif. And then Zachary Barnett will finish with this one. He said, "About as good as I have all season. I love this team, man. Win or lose, they're my team." So Fachi, there's just some. Uh, feedback there. I mean, there's a ton more. You can go find that at Alex Golden NBA just if you want to see it. But yeah, I think a lot of fans are excited about the way this team is playing. And I think if they continue to win, we're going to see the fan base kind of slowly come back and uh, just embrace this team. Oh, slowly. The image in my head is there's people popping up from, you know, behind the bushes or around a wall saying, is that a dub? Is that a dub? Another one? We're talking about four of five. I mean, guys, get excited. About two, two to three weeks ago, I'm, I'm hearing tank for Kate Cunningham. Like, how many games are you trying to lose? I mean, we would, we would have had to have lost, like, the remaining games on the year in order to put ourselves in that position. So, no, we're not going to tank. I think that, that was evident by the Pacers not making any drastic trades at the trade deadline. No, we're in it to win it. That was a brutal March schedule that we talked about before. And if the Pacers finish it by beating Washington, I, I think they've kind of surpassed, and, and Miami, I think at that point you've surpassed what our expectations were in the month of March because it looked like at one point if we didn't get a win here or there, we might have only beaten really Detroit and Cleveland this month. And, and the Pacers really kind of put their their foot on the gas a bit and uh, racked up some wins. And, and now I feel encouraged going into April against what this team is stacked up against. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I'm really excited about this Pacers team and what what the future looks like, especially now that the schedule's lightening up much. It's going to be a good opportunity for this team to get on the winning side of the record and uh, push there for a a good spot in the playoffs. I just, I think the the best goal for them right now is to avoid the playing game at all costs. Oh yeah. Try to avoid that six seed if they can, but I think, just getting to the playoffs is, is huge. I mean, play on game or not, but I want to avoid that at all costs. I mean, we were talking about this team being a three seed earlier in the season. So um, I, I think that without Warren, obviously their ceiling is not as high, but I still think they can compete and uh, they'd be a tough out for anybody. And I know probably the fan base is getting tired of hearing that at the end of each season. Oh, well, we had a, had a good run or it was a good season. It was, you know, just fell short of the playoffs. But I, I really believe that this team, once fully healthy and once we see if they make some different roster changes just to try to make this group fit more of the Bjorken system, I really think it could be special. But right now, uh, you know, we have a cap on what we can reach. And I think that that four or five seed is our cap and winning a first round playoff series is our cap. But uh, yeah, Fachi, any other thoughts? No, just real quick. Say the Pacers happen to be in the playing game, uh, playing series, and they win. 
the last thing I want to do is count that as a playoff series win for the record. I mean, that (laughs) is just, uh, that would be pathetic. So I just want to make sure that it's like, we are not counting that. All right. So I still want to avoid that. Just like you mentioned, the Pacers really have to be pushing for four or five. I mean, even six doesn't feel great compared to years past those top three seeds right now are just, they're in another league. Uh, So right now, Hey, who knows how things shake out in terms of uh, a shaper set on that, that 10 day contract. The Pacers will, will still have an open roster spot, um, you know, moving forward. So, you know, I'm keeping my eye on the buyout market guys like Gorgie Jang is about to sign, you know, um, Andre Drummond about to sign. So those names are kind of clearing up and I want to wait and see, you know, what happens with uh, that spot. So, Hey, who knows? We'll find out maybe in the, in the coming, you know, next 10 days or so. Keep my eyes closed on Otto Porter Jr. Oh my! I uh, I think he's the only one that really makes a ton of sense. I I see guys like Austin Rivers. He let, he's let go, but he's going to go to the Bucks. I think that's a good fit for him. Uh, I I told you how I feel about him in the trade talks. I I think that he's a good role player. Uh, he's been pretty productive in the playoffs. I think a guy like Jeff Teague, I see him released. I want no part of that. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he- heard a couple people <laughs> trying to get Teague back, and this is not the Jeff Teague of about five years ago. Yeah, I wouldn't touch him with a 10 and a half foot pull like no. you said the other day on the pod. So, uh, But anyway, Fachi, to wrap this up, let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And when you don't know what to do because the Pacers have won four of the last five games and you find yourself running around the house with your hands up in the air, all you can do is scream these three words. Let's go Pacers! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.